If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar. Can you believe we've been living with and battling COVID-19 for an entire year? Well, it's true. And while the pandemic is far from over, we are seeing some light at the end of that very long tunnel as COVID-19 vaccines roll out across our nation. Amongst the sadness and loss we see a moment to listen to and collect your pandemic stories and experiences for the purpose of sharing them with your fellow Nemours associates and as a historic record of how we manage together at a safe distance with masks to make our way through year one with all its stress, grief, and pain, as well as the learnings, lessons, and growth that come with working and living through a global pandemic. Amber Combs is the first Nemours associate to share her story. For four years, Amber has worked behind the scenes as the fundraising database manager for the Nemours Fund for Children's Health, based in the Delaware Valley. For the past year, she's been working from home. In her own words, Amber shares her COVID-19 experience, which has served to strengthen her feelings of respect and gratitude for her fellow healthcare workers and specifically for her fellow Nemours associates who have supported her during a personally trying period in the pandemic's earliest days. Here's Amber Combs. During the first week of April last year, my mother, father, and sister all suffered from COVID. And they lived together along with my grandmother, who was 98 at the time and amazingly never developed any symptoms, was perfectly fine. But later they discovered she had the antibodies for the virus. So she must have contracted it as well. My mother's case was the most severe. She went into the hospital April 1st and was almost immediately intubated. Her oxygen levels dropped dramatically. Unfortunately, my mother's been no stranger to health issues. So the idea of her not being well and being in the hospital is something we've gone through, but we've always been able to be there, you know? So even though... The idea of her needing medical care wasn't foreign. The idea of not being able to be there and support her when that was going on was just really hard. We were told for about the first week that her condition was very grave and she was not expected to survive. In the meantime, my sister's condition deteriorated and she needed to be hospitalized. She was hospitalized for about a week and was able to make a full recovery. She just needed some supplemental oxygen. My father was able to weather his illness at home, and he was there to take care of my grandmother. But in the frequent conversations I had on the phone with him, he also was obviously suffering out of breath, just hard to kind of move around. 
And especially with things being so early, just navigating healthcare and navigating getting everyone what they needed was challenging. It really was. Even in terms of communicating, the hospital staff at University of Pennsylvania Hospital, where my mother was, were phenomenal. And very quickly, we were doing daily phone calls. I've always had a great respect and appreciation for healthcare workers. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to be a part of Nemours. But especially at a time like this, the care she received was just extraordinary. And they were able to very quickly come up with ways of communicating. We had been doing daily phone calls with the palliative care staff and with her treatment team, but still we couldn't see her. We couldn't talk to her. And I have to say for somebody, we're from a very close-knit family, me being in Delaware, is like the dark side of the moon from Philadelphia because everybody else lives like right in the same neighborhood. And I talk to my mother every day. And so to not hear her voice for two months was really hard, was really hard. After a couple of weeks, they came up with a system where one of the doctors would call on their iPhones and then show us the monitor into her room so that we could see her and then also be able to talk one way. About, I guess, a month and a half in, I don't know, we were trying all these different ways to communicate and the palliative care doctor had recommended that if we wanted to record a message that he would be happy to play it for her over the speaker in her room. And that got me thinking about, okay, well, when I'm a bit of a technology geek, what could we do? Is there something else that we could do that we could be communicating with her, even if she can't respond much? So my daughter has one of those Amazon Echoes in her room. So I know that you can kind of drop in that way and talk. And I thought, I know Amazon makes a video version of that. I wonder if that would work. And I did a little research online and it looks like you can. So when she got out of ICU and was transferred to a regular room, I purchased one of the Echo shows and my dad brought it up to the hospital. The hospital staff set it up. And what we were able to do was just drop in. I could call from here and the video screen would come up. And again, she did not know what was going on initially, but I could at least see her and talk to her and maybe play some music to her and things like that. And it just was such a comfort to me. She went into the hospital April 1st. We're very, very fortunate she was able to recover, but she did not come home until July 3rd because she was intubated for about a month. And that was just because the virus had ravaged her lungs so badly that she just was not able to breathe on her own. Then there was quite a long period of recovering from just the process of intubation. The doctors realized that she was in a catatonic state from the trauma of being intubated for so long and so severely. But that had to be determined. You know, they weren't sure if she had maybe suffered a stroke or if the virus had impacted her brain or why she wasn't being responsive. But they were able to determine that it was probably due to the trauma of being intubated. And so they were able to get her the care she needed for that. And even once she was responsive, it was a matter of removing the tube, coming up with a trach. She still didn't have the lung strength to breathe on her own, but they didn't want her intubated. She had to have a feeding tube at one point in her stay, so that needed to be resolved. And 
again, it's horrible even now to have someone you love with this disease or to have this disease yourself. But in the early days, no one really knew what was going on to an extent. And I wanted to be up there so badly, but I couldn't because no one really had a good sense of how do you protect yourself? And I had my family's health to consider. I didn't want to be in a situation where I put them in jeopardy. So there weren't the guidelines in terms of, okay, if you do need to care for someone with COVID, here's what you do. And you couldn't get the supplies you needed. There were no masks or hand sanitizer or cleaners or anything. I kept thinking, well, if I can go in there and I could be all suited up and go in the house and get it all nice and clean. But many times going to Target and just trying to find even those basic supplies was really, really challenging. How did it feel when you found out that she was going to get through this and she was going at some point to come home? How did you feel? Just grateful. Just so grateful because the odds were so against her and because it was really not expected. Yeah, it just it just was relief. It just was gratitude. And I have to say, the day that they were going to transfer her from the hospital to the rehab center, I got a call that morning from one of the nurses and they said, we're going to move your mom. Would you like to come? Because we're going to have some signs and we're going to do something outside the hospital. So I said, absolutely. And I said, well, let me go get my dad. And that that was, I hadn't seen my father this whole time either. So we were standing outside the hospital and it was a good, yeah, like I said, it was about two and a half months into things and to see her come out of the hospital for the first time. That was amazing. Here she comes. Because I had seen her on the video camera, but I hadn't seen her in person. And even if it was just for that 30 seconds coming out of the hospital until they whisked her over to where the ambulance was, it was pretty cool. The co-workers just immediately within the fund office were just remarkable. They, we all, like everyone else, started working remotely, but we kept in touch and I would be sharing with them what was going on, the stories that I was hearing from the hospital, and they were always super supportive. Actually, I got a package in the mail about a month into things And here, my co-workers, everyone in the Delaware Fund Office had put together a collection for my family and had gotten gift certificates to things like Uber Eats and Target because they knew that no one in the household was well enough to go out and go shopping and things like that, and that I couldn't get up there to do that. So they sent me those gift cards, which then I was able to, to get up to my family. And something like that. It came on a day when things were kind of down. So getting that package in the mail was just amazing. But everyone in the fund office is super supportive and just wonderful people. And everyone I've met, even on the clinical side, even though I don't have a lot of interactions with the clinical, I mean, it's it's such a family. It really is a family. Yeah, long term, they don't, thank goodness, see damage to the heart, lungs, anything like that. So again, the treatment was super aggressive and had its consequences from that, but ultimately she's not having any long-term issues from it. I would say whatever you can do to prevent 
this illness from affecting you, from affecting your family, I would say wholeheartedly to do it. I know it's something I we all want to put in our rear view as much as humanly possible. I consider myself very fortunate that I was able to get the vaccine through Nemours. And my second shot, like a lot of folks that I know, was a little rough, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. I would not hesitate at all because it's certainly worth it. Any amount of discomfort is not worth the possibility of the degree of illness that I saw. It just brought home for me, again, how healthcare workers are such heroes. Because me trying to navigate all this, they were navigating it at the same time, but dealing with it on the front lines and putting themselves at risk. So there's a lot of gratitude. Because there was so much support and the healthcare workers who helped my family were so amazing, I just wanted to share that with everyone. And as a way to say thank you and to remember that it was a lot harder even a year ago. Amber Combs is the fundraising database manager for the Nemours Fund for Children's Health. She's based in the Delaware Valley. The Nemours Champions for Children podcast is created for Nemours Associates, past, present, and future. And that's why the microphones are being turned toward you to listen document, and share your COVID-19 experiences, whether they're personal or professional or perhaps a little from each category. Recording and sharing these stories is an important part of Nemours' history, and it's our goal to capture it for future generations to hear. We hope you and your fellow associates will consider taking part by sharing your COVID-19 stories. It takes about half an hour. It's all done remotely. And individuals and groups are welcome so long as everyone abides by social distancing protocols. To set up an interview at your convenience, email podcast at nemours.org. That's podcast at nemours.org. The Nemours Champions for Children podcast is available on Nemoursnet and the Nemours Now app, as well as your favorite podcast app and your smart speaker. It's free for streaming and download. And please do subscribe, review, and share it with your fellow associates. Thanks to our production team, Deborah Griffin, Peter Adebi, and Savannah Pettit. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. On behalf of Amber Combs, I'm Carol Vassar. Thanks for listening to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children we serve.